When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now then, I rigged up an interesting little device here. Let's see what happens when we try to connect these two together. Huh? No, I didn't think so. Somehow. Are you sure you're getting it right? Yes, well, it's just a question of... Hold to open. Hold to open. Yes, and what do you do? No information yet available. I'm a genius. Genius. But that's no excuse for this kind of slip-up. I'm sorry, but I've got no alternative. Hello and welcome to Pull to Open, an ongoing quest to watch all of Doctor Who, the entire television program in random order. I'm Pete Paschal. And I'm Chris Taylor of Death. Uh, and we have a very special of Death edition for you here this week of Pull to Open because we, Pete, do you know how many stories we've done? Is it 100 stories? That's right. Cue the confetti. Cue the champagne. We have done 100 stories in the history of Doctor Who. Well, hold on, Chris. Let me stop you there. We yeah. are about to do 100 stories is probably oh, yeah. more accurate. Yeah. So yeah. By the time people are listening to our voices, we will have done 100 stories. But, for but you we're coming to you from the, the past. Moment. Yes. That's right. We're, we're broadcasting you to you live from between stories 99 and 100. And we're about to reveal the 100th story, as if you hadn't guessed by when you clicked on this thing. Or maybe it's just autoplay. Who even knows? Anyway, Pete, do you want to catch the fine folks up on where we've been most recently? Previously on Pull to Open. So, in the recent past, we have been locked into the classic series. Three oh stories ago, we were in the Tom Baker era, visiting one of the most interesting-looking episodes of that time uh, in the adventure known only as Meglos. That's right. Meglos Mayhem with Mark Cochran. Yep, and also kind of known only as the time Tom Baker was covered with cactus acne. Good times there. <laughs> um, Two Tom Bakers, the price of one. Gotta love Megloss. Then we kept rewinding for a bit, because right mm. from Megloss, we were taken to the Ambassadors of Death. Yes, uh, interesting that, isn't it? The Doctor becomes an astronaut in a of-death story that probably went on way too long. Uh, mm -hmm. With seven episodes there, uh, so during uh, something taking off from Mars, Mars did become relevant in a minute. Everyone, that's but right. No. The chances of anything coming from Mars are two million to one. Hmm. But we went back in time yet again, far back in time in the series, and far back in time in the real world, which of course took us to the William Hartnell era in the Mythmakers, an entirely lost episode. 
And we got to get creative to watch or experience rather. That's right. We were your source for the Trojan horse. And wow, that seems so long ago now, Pete, because we went we went on a side quest we did. last week to look at all of the cold opens in Doctor Who. And that's kind of feels like we've had a like a hundred sorbet courses. Right. Yeah. Uh, we've we've done all of New Who, it feels like. <laughs> or at least yeah. little bits of it. After uh, some tasty classic meals, we had we had yeah. like a huge one hundred course meal of of new who. <laughs> yeah, a hundred courses of amuse bouches. Um, <laughs> so so damn amused by the end. I feel like that that was a cautionary tale pulled to open that we should have just watched the story that we were sent to instead. <laughs> and Pete, where were we sent to? Where did the randomizer take us to from the Trojan horse? Well, giving us kind of a bingo on the first four doctors for the last four stories, it took Ooh. us to Patrick Troughton's fifth serial of his third season, season six, The Seeds of Death. Wow. Yes. And just like the ambassadors of death, I did not know going into this because I didn't see neither of them. Where where did the seeds come in? Where did the ambassadors <laughs> come in? They're both yeah. titles. Where's the where's the of death? <laughs> Who is playing of death? Uh well there there are many of deaths here, but we'll we'll get into that. Uh, wow, what a, what an interesting pairing, uh, the, mm. and so randomizer to take us there in reverse order in the the of death stories that go to the moon. Yeah, you might uh, say it was a killer choice. Anyway, hey. before we get too deep, folks, into all of the things we want to talk to you about, we want to let you know if you are only here for the commentary on the seeds of death, just go ahead, look in the show notes. There will be the time code of the. When we start our commentary on that story, it'll be very prominent. If you're on YouTube, just scroll down a bit. It's in the notes under the video. And if you want to cut right ahead to that, you can go ahead and do it. But you don't want to do that, trust me, especially this week, because we have a lot of news. We have a oh, lot yes. to talk about. Uh, well, not only do we have an emoji challenge, a brand new one, we have our poll to open feature on what you guys thought of the ambassador of, uh, ambassadors of death. And <laughs> there were some surprising results, mm. let me tell you. But for our 100th story, guys, one the 100th story of Doctor Who that we're talking about on this year podcast, we have an extra special pull to open pulse loop. Of course, Fletcher Damon. Guys, we're here. And when I say here, I mean the internet. Everywhere. When I, <laughs> when I say the internet, it means pull to open. You know it as a podcast. You might know it as a TikTok channel. You might know it as a Twitter feed occasionally um, and a bunch of the other places that we're at. We're also on YouTube, all the things. We're going to talk about those, of course. But where we are now is also the World Wide Web. And we are at pulltoopen.net for all of your pull to open content needs. Yes, go ahead and go there. Uh, we've got a website. It's awesome. And it is hosted, of course, on Substack, as you'll see once you type that in. And what, are the th what does Substack give you? What are they known for? Yes, that's right. It's a newsletter platform, which means if you go visit us on pulltoopen.net, that's where we are, you can subscribe to the podcast in newsletter form. It'll be sent to your inbox every week. You won't, you won't uh, need to just fire open your podcast app or whatever. You're also going to get a newsletter form. But also by subscribing to the newsletter, guys, you are going to get our written notes 
on the episode that we work from, and we have never released these. And yep. we're, we're a little nervous about it, to be honest with you. There's probably going to be some editing from the raw stuff, but <laughs> you're going to get a lot of behind-the-scenes thoughts because sometimes we don't get to everything we want to say. So yes, there's going to be right. some, some fresh thoughts. There's going to be bits about what the story's not- notable for. Um, you'll you'll get the Humoji Challenge answer key. <laughs> oh, <laughs> boy. Us. I won't so, be looking at that one. Uh, but also, the name you choose is a promise and a pull to open. We promised here last week that we would share our spreadsheet of the of the top cold opens of all of the our ratings for right. all of the cold opens, and we can now do that on pulltoopen.net. Uh, so go along, like, like, subscribe. Well, you can't really like on on uh, Substack, can you? But so you just can. subscribe. Oh, you can like it. Oh, like you can repost things. You can do all the things. Um, Smash so that Substack button. Yeah. Smash Stack it. So yeah, for at the start, guys, we're we're going to be sending you guys notes if you subscribe. We're actually really looking to offer more than just what we serve up every week. We're you know with with life balancing life and work and everything else, uh, we'll figure something out. But uh, there might even just be random musings about Doctor Who now that it's coming back, and we're probably going to have more thoughts on it in the coming. That's right. Week. Yeah, we we did. I mean, there's. A whole bunch of stuff that is coming up, uh, and uh, certainly if you believe Russell T. Davies' letter in the latest Doctor Who magazine, there's a bunch of stuff that he hasn't revealed. Uh, uh, British listeners will be celebrating right now because they are going to get all of Doctor Who, all of it, on iPlayer. Uh, it has been, uh, you know, divided between the services in the UK. Now it's all for you free free on iPlayer, you you lucky dogs. Uh, here in the US, we still have to use BritBox and Max, uh, but that may be changing coming up as a, a lot of things are changing. A lot of things are happening. The speed of the 60th anniversary is is elevating. We just had the 60th anniversary concert uh, in which uh, the new, yeah. new theme tune was revealed and the new theme for 15. That's mm. right, Shooty Gut was theme, uh, and and I gotta say, it's it's a banger, it's a Viscount banger, it's a banger, even out of context. And <laughs> yes, there's a lot going on, guys. There's also a lot going on in the pull to open universe. Yes, sorry for looking inward so much on this one, but there's a lot going on. So yes, we have our new Substack at pulltoopen.net, uh, but we are also on Patreon. Finally, yes, we have joined the ranks. Uh, if you want to support this here podcast all you need to go do is go down to patreon.com slash pull to open uh and become a member and if you want to do that we would be eternally grateful um tell your tell your friends about it uh please support the podcast or we 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 really want to keep putting all this content out there essentially for free for anyone who wants to listen or read um you know at some point, maybe something might go paid on the Substack. I don't know what that would be, but we'll see. We, but we really want to take this whole thing to the next level. And the only really way, real way to do that is with support, even if it's just interacting on one of our many social networks with the podcast itself, voting on Spotify. You're going to hear about all of that uh, in the coming minutes. But anyway, <laughs> patreon.com slash pull to open is a place to check out. And uh, please consider becoming a member if you're a fan of the pod. Yeah, please support us because we are, as I say, we're, we're going to get this massive influx of Doctor Who. Uh, it's possible that we will get a new location for Doctor Who in the U.S. Well, we're certainly going to get it uh, on Disney Plus soon. 
Uh, I don't know if RTG is hinting that what the UK got on iPlayer is also going to get on Disney Plus. But regardless, we're going to get a lot, a lot, especially with the appearance of the Toy Maker, a lot of new Who fans interested in old, old Who. And which podcast is bouncing around, apparently stuck in Old Who uh, for <laughs> knows how long. Here we are. Which podcast has four thumbs and is all about <laughs> bridging classic Who and new Who. Hey, these this guys. One. Whoa. Oh, I didn't Whoa. even say what just happened on Zencaster. Oh, Holy my cow. goodness. Fireworks just happened. That was crazy. <laughs> uh, yeah. the most awesome use of AI there's ever been. Because <laughs> we are celebrating here, taking our podcast to the next level. Zencaster somehow knew it. Um, folks, this is a great time for me to just say... This is a fun t- thing to bring this <laughs> podcast to you. And, and one of the reasons we, it is so fun is because of the service we use. It's called Zencaster. Uh, when we started out podcasting, we were a lot like the doctor, didn't really know what we were doing with the equipment we had. But over time, we kind of figured it out. And really, ever since we switched to Zencaster, it has been a dream. It's really like, I don't know, say an instantaneous transport system that Ooh. beams things from city to city in mere seconds. Uh, That's right. That, but it actually, of, yeah. actually works, though, <laughs> instead of that system, <laughs> which can be easily disrupted by Ice Warriors. Yeah, it, but it's that level of convenience we're talking about. All you have to do, of course, is create your recording room in the cloud send a link to your guests and Zencaster handles all the rest. It records studio quality sound and video up to 4K. Plus, it has all the tools you need to host, create, distribute, and monetize your podcast all in one place. Whether you have your own podcast, and I certainly know some of you do, or you're thinking about starting one, we would strongly encourage you to check out Zencaster. So set your browser coordinates to Zencaster.com slash pricing. Use our code IPUSH, that's I-P-U-S-H, and you'll get 30% off your first month of any Zencaster paid plan. We want you to have the same easy experiences that we do for all of our podcasting and content needs. It is time to share your story. Remember, the site is Zencaster.com slash pricing and the code is IPUSH. You know, I, I only just got that. <laughs> I was listening to last week's show. I was like, IPUSH. Oh, wait, pull to open. IPUSH. Okay. Yeah, got it. Thanks. A little slow on the uptake. Uh, but uh, if you've been slow on the uptake and you've not reviewed us yet please do so because that is another way to get this fabulous explanatory podcast in front of more fans who are only just discovering classic show perhaps uh, classic show fans are just discovering the new show hey we're open to all um Mm -hmm. but if you're on apple Podcasts, especially please please uh it is it is your duty uh i i dare say to leave us a review because they help us get more visible especially if they're five stars maybe you see five lights i don't know uh share it with a random friend that's the other thing uh you can do is is just pick someone at random out of your address book and uh, send them this podcast and then when they text back hey who is this new phone you're like just never mind peace out enjoy the podcast um but yeah go go ahead and share that um and if, if you have any social media experience, we are looking for a little help on, on the social media side. We have so many tentacle arms here on Polter Open that we uh, we need extra armor praises. Um, so yeah. if anyone's interested out there, get in touch. Yeah, just a quick note on that. So 
we really wanted, like as you can tell from everything we're talking about, we really want to take the podcast to the next level. Um, we really could use some help with that. If you are a fan of the pod, you would like to help out and maybe have some social media savvy, uh, please, yeah, give us a give us a ring. <laughs> yeah, give us a bell. Yeah, you know, call call our, our phone in our time ship. It's, it doesn't matter yeah. what uh, time zone it's in. No, I'll probably I promise better. your phone will absolutely not turn into a time worm. Promise. Better method might be to DM us on any of our uh, places you can find us, Pull to Open 63 on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook, or you could go ahead and email us at pull to open podcast at gmail.com. That's pull to open podcast at gmail.com. Get in touch. Say you want to uh, help us out with the social media side and uh, we can get a conversation going. So please yeah. do that. That's right. We're just a couple of guys standing in front of a podcast audience asking you to slide into our DMs. And speaking of people who are helping out, thank you everyone who replied to our recent call for a reload on the Humoji Challenge. Oh boy. You betcha. Uh, the Humoji Challenge, of course, splintered in time. No, wait a second. That's something else. Yep. The Humoji Challenge is where I, as the host, I don't know how this worked out, but I'm also the host <laughs> of the Humoji Challenge, uh, get to torture our contestant, one Christopher Taylor, on what the a set of emojis what doctor who story title they might represent that's right I, I do this every week folks and uh i do it for you and i do it so that you will send us more reviews and uh i i voluntarily put myself through this nightmare because once again as is traditional at the beginning of every humoji challenge the name of every doctor who story has suddenly fled my brain so i'm <laughs> i'm flying blind without a net let's see let's see what we got all right, our dunk tank clown is in the tank. <laughs> and uh, this one comes at us from Twitter, or X, I believe it's called now. And it's from someone with the handle ONFTBB. So ONFTBB. And it is three emojis. Are you ready, sir? As I love me. Okay, first emoji uh, girl or woman. Uh, mm -hmm. Then arrow. Pointing to the right. Yeah. And then skull. Oh my god. I was hoping the third one was going to be in a fireplace. <laughs> uh, is so it lucky? Is it, could it be the girl who died? It's the girl who died. Hey! Nice one! I realized that maybe all that time watching cold opens was not. Uh, wasted because it was kind of a crash course in the name of every new Who story. So I, I realized I had better yeah. odds than I thought. We're gonna have to we're gonna have to keep the Humoji challenge on uh, locked on the classic for a while. It's really it's really challenging here. <laughs> Good job and thank you, thank you. on thank you. on FT on FTB. Oh yes, good stuff. Thanks, BB. <laughs> All right, folks. Um, hey, we want to talk to you guys right now. You guys, we know what I'm talking about. You Spotify listeners. Mm. You folks who know there are even more ways to interact with the show over there. You can, of course, rate the show on your mobile app, but you can also rate the story in, poll, in the poll feature, which fuels a little segment we like to call Poll to Open. Um, so, of course, every week, Chris and I give a rating to whatever Doctor Who story we're talking about with our uh, trademark 
rating system. Wait for the full explanation for that at the end of the show. Uh, but of course, we kick it to you guys, the viewers, on what you guys thought of it. And we have some results. That's right. The, the, poll, the poll to open of death um, for the ambassadors of death. And uh, wow, it's uh, it's another victory for you, Pete, because you you rated this one a Dalek, and that is the winner with the plurality of votes. Thirty three point three percent voted this a Dalek. Uh, congratulations! Uh, uh, I am equal second uh, at my rating. The Professor Hater uh, got twenty two percent. So did the Ogron. Uh, we got eleven uh, percent for a Viscount Banger. Yeah, uh, on the ambassadors of death. Interesting, and eleven percent for Lady Cassandra. Uh, so people liked how it looked. They they loved that trippy uh, Sarlacc pit like spaceship, I guess, and uh, voted it. Uh, you know, pretty but paper thin plot. So interesting. Uh, but these vo- these votes are still open. There are still many thousands of days left on the poll. Uh, we have deliberately set them as as far into the future as we can, so that you, uh, in the, when you're watching the 70th anniversary special, can still go back and vote on the Ambassadors of Death. Uh, <laughs> because who doesn't want to do that? Well, maybe six, 67th. little little quick math there okay you've got until the 67th anniversary but hey why not vote now create a burner account log in follow us on spotify again we do need uh just a few more spotify followers uh we're we're growing expeditiously on there we might have a few more things to do on spotify once that happens um but yeah and uh pete i believe we're also on youtube as you've mentioned where you You can leave emoji titles you bet youtube.com slash poll to open even if you subscribe to us on in podcast app and of course our uh new sub stack why don't you go ahead and subscribe to us also on youtube where you uh, can find our toy maker summary because a lot of people mm-hmm. a lot of new series fans are uh, curious about the toy maker we we explained it all in our segment tldw that's coming up uh that's the it's the only two minute explainer of the Celestial Toy Maker, I believe you will find out there on YouTube today. Um, entirely possible there are others. Uh, however, it's it's doing pretty well. Yeah. And if you liked our yeah. plot summary, please check out our podcast on the Celestial Toy Maker. Yeah, we, we have lots to say. Lots to say on that, including how it might tie in to uh, the ongoing series which we're about to find out in the next month it's so exciting uh follow us on tiktok it's pull to open pull to open 63 on twitter instagram facebook kind of sort of threads and also pull to open on blue sky and uh, feel free to drop us a line there feel free to also uh give me the names of some other social networks that i can read out so that i can continue to procrastinate from the segment that is coming up where it's my turn to summarize the uh, the summary of death of the seeds of death, <laughs> uh, it's coming up in TLDW. Are you feeling deadly, Chris? Uh, well, well, should we talk quickly about the? <laughs> Let's talk about the new show. Hey, we got some news. Uh, we do I have just some listened. News. It's true. Yeah. All right. Well, all right. Know, I'll let you start. You know what? You know what? The I I listened this week to the uh, concert 
that on you can hear on BBC Sounds, even if in the US. Highly recommend it. Give it a listen. Uh, the BBC did a 60th anniversary concert in which uh, Russell T. Davies, Stephen Moffat, and Chris Chibnall were all present, all spoke uh, about their doctors, about their music. Murray Gold was up there on stage, and he introduced not only the themes for Ruby, New Companion, uh, for 15, a theme simply called 15, which I think I'd say is a Viscount banger, uh, but also the new, new for 2023 right. theme tune, uh, yeah. which is galloping along in, in Murray Gold style, perhaps a slightly different gallop. Uh, Pete, you you were a little a little cool on the, well, on the theme I, tune when you first had it. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a traditionalist, right? Like when mm-hmm. Doctor Who came back for the first time in 2005 and they had clearly emulated it on the time tunnel sort of uh, look and sound mm-hmm. of essentially the Baker years and the Pertwee years a bit. And it, like, I thought that was like, Oh, great. Now that said, you know, things do need experimentation. You need to change things up. Um, but I will say my kind of change up sort of keeps the overall structure of it. And like, like mm-hmm. I really, really like the Davison titles m- mostly because it's a stylistic change and they don't really change so much the, the structure of it, the notes themselves are, you know, to the point where you emphasis sort of gets shifted. So that said, mm-hmm. so I, I was not really a fan, for example, of the Smith uh, stuff, at least at the start, because it sort of changes the drum beat, right? It's like, don't, it's instead of the dun, 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 it's like, don't, 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 like, it's like, it, it does right. a different thing, but again, I get it. You got to experiment. I, I'm not a huge fan. Um, and this seems to be that again, right? Like it seems to be like, okay, let's do a little something different, a little unexpected with what the drums are. And it, it comes back around. It's not like it totally abandons it, but uh, I, that always throws me. I'm sorry. I'm just, yeah. I'm, I'm kind of, you might call me an originalist with respect <laughs> to the theme. Um, well, again, I, 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 I admire uh, experimentation. I do think with a big reboot like this, it doesn't necessarily, it might not be the time to experiment. I, I would rather they sort of mm. went the traditionalist route. Well, so much depends on the on the opening titles, doesn't it? And and the that that great sense of motion that that RTD had and and Murray Gold had and they they, they just, you know, the visuals and the uh, the right. visuals of the time tunnel and the the music uh, always seem to line very well in in their first era. So well, that's that's to... kind of what we're missing now, right? The visuals. Yeah. That's also why I feel a little cheated. Like I I, I kind of don't like that they revealed it early, right? Like I'd yeah. rather that the whole world encountered it the first time it's broadcast, which I, I assume will be with the specials, right? Yeah, one one would assume. Uh, it does say twenty twenty three rather than twenty twenty four. So right. it's it's we're not looking at the theme for shooty or assume it it will be the theme for shooties run and just for everything with with rtd going forward uh mm. and but no i i i like you know what i i like it as a trojan horse as it were for making people listen mm. to this entire concert which i really i gotta say just really you know if you're listening to this on the weekend after you've listened to the podcast just fire up that concert it's a beautiful thing to just have on in the background some wonderful uh, performances from the the bbc orchestra of wales there and and uh you know just some great songs that you may have forgotten about like the the song from um um a christmas carol uh silence is all you know a beautiful beautiful tune it just sends chills down your spine 
Uh, so it's all wonderfully done. Go listen to the whole concert and accept that they they are postponing until the end. But like you know, listen to listen along for things like Stephen Moffat talking about who his favorite doctor is. Uh, he Can actually I does name a doctor. Potentially controversial opinion. Please don't <laughs> don't listen to the concert. I mean, oh. I know it's not spoilers per se. <laughs> But if there's such a thing as musical spoilers, it's kind of like I said at the the titles, right? Like you kind of want things in context. Does does see getting all the music in advance kind of spoil something for you? Maybe there's a chance. I don't know. I'll confess, I have not listened to the whole concert, and wow. this is what's keeping me from doing it. Is exactly this. Do I do I really want to listen to everything, or do I want to just sort of experience the music? with the drama I'm seeing on screen. I'm a little split. I might break down and just kind of do it, but uh, I, I understand that idea of like, no, I don't want, I don't even want emotional spoilers with respect to the music. And that, that, well, uh, that then let me, let me just set your mind at ease and say that there are just two songs, just, just Ruby's tune and 15. Well, and, mm. and the new version of the theme tune, which you've already heard that. Yeah. Uh, so you can just, and they clearly flag it. I believe it's Murray Gold introducing it. So, you know, no, not to worry. Uh, there, there is just just pause the concert at that point, but otherwise enjoy some fabulous Doctor Who music uh, because up until that point, it's all stuff you already know. All right. Well, speaking of spoilers, it is time <laughs> for anyone who has not seen The Seeds of Death to oh. get the entire story spoiled mm-hmm. so we can have a full-fledged commentary uh, after that rapid fire plot summary with a little segment we like to call TLDW too long. Didn't watch too long. Doctor who. And we allot 30 seconds for every classic series episode, which is roughly 25 minutes. So the person who will be summarizing the plot of the seeds of death will have a full three minutes time to stretch out a little bit. Yeah. I uh, go for a walk, do some knitting. <laughs> that uh, person is to this week is one Christopher Taylor. And is right. he ready? As as I'll ever be, I will say that the more the more that we do this, the more I'm kind of thinking in my head as I watch the show, like what is my TLDW summary going to be? Hmm. So I, I'm still not writing anything down. I'm still doing it without notes. I'm still flying blind. Uh, this could all st- still end disastrously. But I, I have sort of been rehearsing a few lines in my head through the week. So it's sort of interesting uh, how <laughs> how the TLDW evolves along with the rest of the show. Uh, we're not quite on our 100th TLDW X. We only started that, uh, uh, I think, at some point in season two of Pull to Open. Um but we're, we're, we're getting up there. So, we're, you know, I'm feeling pretty confident is what I'm going to say. And I'm ready for uh, that mistress fate to smack my face with some hubris. Well, it's funny. For this episode, you say you're getting good at, like, editing in advance and thinking about what you're going to do in advance. I don't know if this particular story would benefit a lot from, like, <laughs> um, So yeah. we'll see if that gives you an advantage. But it is time to see and hear the official pull-to-open summary of The Seeds of Death. In three, two, one, go. 
Okay, so it's the 21st century, and everyone is wearing underpants on the outside of their pants. And they also have this system called the T-Mats that, that transfers stuff uh, up to the moon and around the world. And the, the moon seems to be a, a blockage point in this because there's some idiot up there who's uh, routing stuff badly. And uh, he he gets a uh, uh, superior goes up to the moon to uh, try to tell him he, he's uh, doing it wrong. Uh, but what's this? There's, there's someone else up on the moon, and, 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 and uh, there's a mysterious alien. Up there. Meanwhile, the Doctor, Zoe, and Jamie land in. Uh, they think they're in space, but no, they're in a space museum. Not the space museum. Different one, owned by uh, Professor Eldred, who's a guy who used to use rockets before the team at messed everything up, and and he's got this rocket that's that's ready to go, which is handy because the government officials come bursting in, and they're like, uh, the team at's messed up. We need to take your rocket to the moon. And he's like, no, I can't do it. I've got a heart condition. The Doctor, Jamie, and Zoe are like, we can do it. So they go up to the moon. Uh, but uh, with all the, the stuff that's happening on the moon, where it turns out to be ice warriors have invaded, they're using it as a staging post for Earth, uh, but they want to use the team at, and there's this guy called Fenshaw, uh, uh, Fenshum, uh, Fushum. And he, he, uh, he's uh, collaborating. He works with the Ice Warriors because he's just a dude. He doesn't want to die. And he doesn't realize that what they're getting him to do is send these seeds around the world to these different cities, all in the Northern Hemisphere, strangely. And Either. the seeds expand like balloons. And they, they uh, spread this fungus everywhere. And, uh, and they knock out the Doctor, who's arrived on the, the moon base and, and been captured by the Ice Warriors. And, uh, and they, they show the seeds to him, but it knocks him out for an entire episode. And and Mila, they 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 intend to, to uh, transmit him to the middle of space, but um, but they uh, but uh, they uh, the Doctor gets saved by uh, by Zoe and this other guy called Phipps uh, who, who drag him out, or is it Jamie? I can't even remember at this stage. There's a lot of running around the moon base. Uh, anyway, there's a lot of attempting to sort of drag the Ice Warriors into these these solar things uh, that the Doctor eventually uses to destroy them. He makes them portable, uh, and uh, the Doctor also. Also figures out that uh, you can destroy the fungus that is now spreading across the northern atmosphere. The goal of which is to reduce the number, of, the amount of oxygen in the atmosphere and make it cold enough. The ice warriors, so it's just like Mars. They're basically they're invading us, uh, and, but it can be destroyed by water. Uh, so it's all about getting to the weather control. Uh, but the, what's this? The ice warriors have fused the weather control, so it's always dry in Britain now for some reason. And uh, but the doctor goes in there and he fights through the foam, the fungus foam, and 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 they. Uh, they have this false signal that uh, diverts the invasion fleet. Uh, it just sends them into the sun, and uh, and that's it. And a lot of people die, and they, they still try to uh, fix the team at, and, and the Doctor and Jamie and Zone leave while they're debating. Not bad. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I failed to say that, yes, weather control does, the weather control assault does actually succeed, and then it does rain again, and it rains a lot. Did you, I think, did you miss the bit where they turn on the, they raise the temperature at the moon base? Yes. Because <laughs> <laughs> that was like, seemed like a big, kind of a big deal at the time. Sure, uh, that was the one thing I was kind of waiting for. And uh, <laughs> the, if I don't, you know, the weather control, whatever, but that, uh, that was the one thing I would say is probably a key bit that's missing from, from your summary, but otherwise good, great job. Right, that's yes. It's getting hot up in the moon base. The ice warriors take off all the clothes. Is no, it ever? I, I don't know. Like, I want to just—that's kind of a nitpick, but I want to just zero in right there because that was like the thing that, like, I just went like, "Holy crap!" Like that—the temperature of the moon base raises 
to like, okay, this is, we have to set a little bit of context, but it's like Zoe is to turn on the the heat essentially at the moon base. First of all, it's like instantaneous, like it's, it's a 20 degrees Celsius raised within seconds in the air. And it's raised from 20 to 40. At one point, it's actually on 60, which is higher than the, the hottest temperature ever recorded on Earth. <laughs> in, in, in Death Valley in like 1913 or something, it was like 57, 56 degrees Celsius. And in other words, not only would this not just incapacitate ice warriors, but definitely kill them, it would kill all the humans. Well, like, I got to say... I gotta say, yeah, yes, you are right, but I, I'm, I can also believe it uh, because, as you say, as you say, Zoe does turn on the heat, and uh, we may have talked before in the Crotons podcast about my my crush on Wendy Padbury, <laughs> whose whose very name suggests a warm cup of tea on a British day. Uh, Wendy Padbury is Zoe, big big companion crush for me. So yeah, she she can turn on the heat. And it is always 60 <laughs> degrees <she> Celsius. <laughs> it is always 60 degrees in my heart when she's on screen. Um, and before yeah. we go a little too far in this, we, we've yeah. been talking uh, in this older adventure of like how how we watched it. Like we, we had that with the, the Myth Makers last time because, of course, it was a, a missing episode. Um, but I want to say I'm, I'm, I'm out here flying blind, Pete. I'm sort of in a rocket heading towards the sun because I've, I've quit BritBox. I, I quit. Yes, I have. rage. I rage quit BritBox because uh, they raised the price, and uh, this was the first uh, classic show where I had to go looking, uh, perhaps in some nefarious areas, uh, for ways that I could watch the Seeds of oh Death my. in the US. There's a DVD wandering around somewhere. There's, there's DVD wandering that's, around. That's more than a monthly subscription to BritBox. If you want. <laughs> it is, but you know what else there is for free. Ladies and gentlemen, on the Internet Archive, uh, there is a slightly colorized version of oh. The Seeds of Death. How about that? It's there. It's up. It's legit. Now, is it a good colorized version? No, but it's serviceable. Uh, it looks great whenever Zoe's on the screen. So I was a fan. Got to say, Zoe and Jamie uh looks so fabulous in this in this colorized version it's worth it just for that the rest of it like there's a bit of flickering patrick Tratton looks weirdly sick uh but the two of them they they i mean my goodness if zoe and jamie weren't weren't doing it on the tardis they 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 ought to have been because what a what a couple they made <laughs> uh, jamie looks so handsome in the sporran well speaking of doing it I, I i'm glad we're zooming out here sorry but i had to get the nitpick in on the on the thunder quickly thank just you because it was just yes. like that was if the this time around watching Seeds of Death, and I hadn't seen it in decades. That that was the thing that stood, stood out to me the most. Like everyone should be dead. Um, but speaking of of this, and I, I, I'm really kind of curious about this colorized version now that I'm hearing about mm. it because I looked at Seeds of Death, and as I'm watching, I'm thinking this probably needs to be in color to be appreciated. Because mm. I'll just say it, like. It kind of struck me, this could possibly be one of the, the gayer episodes of Doctor Who, <laughs> just because like you see all these uniforms which are kind of tight-fitting, and they kind of look mm. like they have underwear on the outside, and you know those interesting lines, essentially, that they have. Um, they're, they're, as, as, I don't know why this struck me, but in the first couple of episodes, at least with the first two, I think it's episode two and three, you see the Ice Warriors. You get a lot of shots of the Ice Lord leader, who I guess name, the name is Slar. You get a lot of shots of him from behind. 
Yeah. <laughs> and they're just kind of lingering on his butt. And you're just like, That's okay, right. well, what is going on here? Um, Slaw's G- costume is a helmet, basically, and not much else. <laughs> and then Jamie has this sort of form-fitting top with, mm-hmm. with, with kind of a swashbuckler thing up here. Uh, it's, honestly, it looks straight out of the international mail catalog. Like, I mean, it's it's kind of nuts. And then, you know, you, you think about yeah. And you just once my head my head was in this space, everything just seemed really gay. <laughs> like everyone's playing in foam and balloons by the end, and that's right. You know, like it's basically kind of like this pride parade. The grand marshal that you see on screen, he has like sequins on his helmet. Um, the the everybody gets wet at the end. That's of right. Solution. And, the, and the song is that, make and, it rain, people. It's raining men. And you have all these warriors who are just sort of big dudes who are kind of hairy, and uh, you know it's a little bit okay. So we got we got a bunch of bears essentially running around. It's like yes, all right. So yeah, this is what's happening. It's it's basically kind of musical theater a little bit with like especially with Michael Ferguson as the director. So he's the director of this episode, and he basically takes a moment in I forget if it's episode three or four, but it's like in the middle of the, the it's the one Trouton's in, so it's probably episode three. Because <laughs> there's this crazy chase in the moon base that is just so over the top camp. It's yes. it's literally like something out of a musical where the doctor's running around, his hands are going up <laughs> in panic as he sees the ice warriors, they're all kind of lumbering around and kind of an almost like a dance. Uh, and they're it's, kind of dancing throughout. They're almost playing yes. for comic relief. Like this is kind of a goofy you know, <laughs> gay in every sense of the word episode of Doctor Who. And it's fabulous. It should definitely, first of all, be called the balloons of death, not the seeds of death, <laughs> because that's what's happening. Uh, these balloons are expanding and they're spreading glitter everywhere. No, they're spending uh, fungus uh, seeds. Uh, but yeah, the foam is, is just off the hook. I mean, if you liked the foam in, uh, oh God, why do I always Theory forget from the, the deep. Fury from the deep, thank you, uh, which uh, breaks out into an impromptu foam party on the beach. But this this is indoor foam, people. This is much more fun. Uh, and Zoe gets in it. Jamie gets in it. Uh, Patrick Troughton slips in it at one point, <laughs> which when <laughs> Every is, is trying not to crack up at that point. You can actually see that because he did legit slip in the foam. Uh, that wasn't supposed to happen. Um, but I yeah, it's with my daughter and mm-hmm. she was constantly saying like, Oh my God, that looks so fun. Like she said, <laughs> that looks like heaven. Like she, she was just like, so into the foam. She it, like, it was just like, yeah, it does look like fun. And like trout in there is doing his best when he's banging on the door and the foam's all just coming at him and he's trying to pretend it's like, this is panic time, but he's just, he's yeah. having fun. He's, he goes in for a bath and he's just yep. goofing around. Like, I go, gotta wonder like how many takes he just spent like just goofing around like hey this is super awesome well not only is the seas of death martian gay pride but it's also uh fabulous for uh for the ladies um for for feminism which was uh, on the rise at the time when this aired in 1969 uh but not not so on the rise they didn't think that in the 20th century a woman would still be called miss kelly Right. Uh, if she was, you know, we can't get everything right. <laughs> but it is a good. It's uh, it's a good episode for for Miss Kelly's uh, agency because she's basically she's the she's climbing the corporate ladder here. She uh, has no respect for her boss. She literally goes over her boss's head, uh, transmats herself to the moon, uh, gets into the thick of the action. 
you know, really uh, reprimands this this uh, Fuchum, the coward, um, mm-hmm. who uh, who is, is you know is given a pretty good story himself. But yes, it's good for her. She has the most fabulous ponytail in all of Doctor Who. Uh, yeah, really she's, she's got the goodness. one exception. Like she, her uniform, you know, still looks great. It's just she doesn't have to wear the the dumb overalls or whatever that everyone else is kind of wearing. And yeah, you're totally right. Uh, I guess the actress is Louise Pajo. Oh, mm. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right, but she's great. She gives this great performance of a very, you know, extremely competent person. I like that nothing's made of it, that it's in the future. And it's just, yes, she's in this great uh, position. She's incredibly smart and she just happens to be a woman. And, you know, that's everyone just sort of can, can just see that for themselves. Um, one issue that it does create, and this isn't necessarily make it a bad episode. She kind of gets in Zoe's space. So a companion wise, I think this is a great episode for Jamie, not as good for Zoe because Zoe, her heroics amount to crawling through some conduits. And again, she's exactly companion width, I guess, the same as Sarah Jane. (laughs) So she can fit perfectly through conduits and, uh, turning the temperature up mostly mm-hmm. right and then she helps out a little bit in the um weather control stuff at the end but of course all the action is left to the boys um so she doesn't really get to do a lot here because again the all the scientific competence and problem solving ends up falling on kelly um, yeah. which makes sense i mean she understands uh t-mat and she's she's you know the, the expert and she gets moved around but uh she could zoe's space particularly after the first couple of episodes where she sort of helps with the rocket but you it's mostly off screen you don't really um get much more with her she just gets yeah she she gets to dress jamie down about like you know can you just stand here and watch this fuel level go up and when it gets to full press this button do you think you can do that jamie um (laughs) poor guy oh i all right, hey, 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 do that, hey. I'm sorry, sorry, Fraser Hines. Um, but yeah, it's it's not great. But you'd think that Miss Kelly would be a good friend for her, but no, they 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 don't really get to bond, uh, which is a shame. It's, I mean, we should mention the the, the script is kind of a mess because oh my god, uh, Brian, Brian Hales wrote <laughs> it. Brian Hales was so apparently so just messed up out of his head, man, by the fact that it may not have been Jamie uh, mm. because they were going to replace him with a character called Nick. And yeah, okay. Who? What? what? Yes. Yeah. Someone should write a book one day on the lost companions of Dr. Who. Uh, Cause I remember Russell T Davies talking about uh, there was going to be a companion called Penny uh, in, in the season that Donna was in uh, until Catherine Dank- Tate, decided to come back so like penny has been lost to the mists of time well nick has also been lost to the mists of time we we had no idea who nick was going to be or why writing for him should cause brian hale such such problems and also mm. inserting a patrick Jones on vacation for episode four request uh apparently just messed him up as well and he got yeah he got docked uh half yeah. pay uh for yeah, most of these episodes because Terrence Dix basically had to come in and, and finish it yep. off. Yep. So, by the way, there's a novelization of The Seeds of Death. I uh, have it, and I was uh, reading it as I was sort of watching it. And I will say, if get yourself some Terrence Dix novelizations, folks, if you're ever having trouble falling <laughs> asleep at night. No, I kid. I, <laughs> I, 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 I kid a little. 
it is like Terrence Dix, again, I'm not trying to knock him too much as a writer, although I will have some mm-hmm. stuff to say in directions he went in the last few episodes here, um, mm. particularly the last one. But he, his novelizations, and I'm not the first one to observe this, tend to be so straightforward and so sort of by the numbers, sort of um, just yep. recounting what was on screen. Uh, I think partially because they uh, there was a w- certainly starting to become an awareness in the sort of late 70s of the destruction of of episodes and i think he was sort of thinking it needs to be more of a rote um right. creation of the story as opposed to sort of taking it into an interesting new direction which some of the better books do right mm-hmm. um so the the in other words the novelization doesn't really add a lot to this but right. you can you can kind of like like the thing is i have a lot of credit for dicks and a lot of I guess, criticism for him because early mm-hmm. on, like if he did episode three, which I think he did, I mean, all the running around, I'm not sure how much was Dix and how much was Ferguson, the director, but like it's, it's, it's so silly. It's like so bad. It's good. Right. Like it's, it's yep. just pure camp. And that fine, that line where he goes, your leader will be very angry. If you kill me, you see, I'm a genius. And the, the genius. warriors just, well, and they just both turn and look at each other. Like, you know, oh, wow. You know, like it is so goofy. Like, okay, yeah, this is fun. Uh, I, I, you can't not love that if, if you're a fan of this era of Doctor Who and sort of the impish performance of Patrick Troughton as the doctor. It's, it's just perfect. Can, can, can we talk about the representation of the Ice Warriors? Because sure. uh, the. Is it just me, or does the heavy breathing get heavier? Uh, the the <laughs> the more that we go into this. Speaking of this being a camp, uh, very you know, putting it all out there kind of uh, story. My goodness, I so it was very warm here in San Francisco when uh, I was watching some of these episodes, and I thought, hey, I'll just uh, open the door uh, of my house and like you know, and th- and then I had to close it again while I was watching this because the heavy breathing got so loud. Uh, that I was like, I don't want my neighbors to think I'm watching porn. Uh, it just, well, there it is. They they get they're, they're like Darth Vader when he's getting very excited. You know, like the the speed of the breathing is just a little too much. Did that <laughs> did that resonate for you at all, Pete? Yeah, absolutely. It's you went to Ice I mean, Warrior breathing. It's one of these things where you know the Ice Warrior performances again. They're they're bordering on the intentionally comical mm. and. I, I sort of chalk up the the long S's and the heavy breathing um, to all of it. I will say, like, again, like many episodes of this era, it's it's two or three episodes too long. It gets it is. really tiresome after a while. Um, so I, I think that's a little bit unavoidable. I guess you kind of have to sort of think about people who were watching it back in the day, one episode a week over mm-hmm. a period of a month and a half you probably didn't have the same effect as like binging the whole thing, which is more or less what kind of we do here. So I can sort of forgive it for that, but, um, (laughs) there's a lot of, I think, well, I can also headcanon it, right? Like if it, the warmer it is, the harder it is for them to breathe. And presumably that's what's going on. Now, when they're in control of the moon base, I don't know why they wouldn't tick the temperature down to something like five degrees Celsius so that they're okay. And the humans are sort of, barely able to function um so that that's a weird choice on just the ice warriors point you know yeah they're, they're so into it when they go to earth you know they're going straight to weather control and make sure that the rain doesn't happen uh which yeah again interesting choice in in the uk 
that that they could stop the rain. You have to had kind of the possibility the weather control could do that. You know, and it's one of those Um, things to to just stay on the ice warriors for a bit. Like mm -hmm. I don't know why I I can't you know actually barely remember what happens in Cold War, but why why they haven't ever reversed that. You know what I mean? Like it's Mm -hmm. always like turn up the heat to defeat the ice warriors. How come the ice warriors aren't smart enough? Like why don't we turn it down to below freezing so we can kick ass and everyone else has to bundle up and is freezing to death. Yeah, why don't they get some suits uh, made of the th- material in thermos containers, uh, hmm. pad them with ice, you know, it just totally fill up on ice, and just like then, then they're immune. They're immune to yeah. Zoe turning up the heat. Uh, they can just chill all day in their ice. They're just super cool. They can even throw in a line about how cool they are. Uh, well, there we go. RTD, call us if you're thinking of bringing the Ice Warriors back. <laughs> well, uh, if you do, I'll just say <laughs> maybe make them more competent tacticians and strategists. So, again, this is not the only Ice Warriors story. There have been other ones, certainly in New Who. There's actually a really good one in Big Finish called Red Dawn. It's one of the earlier uh, episodes. But, my God, this whole plan of theirs. Okay, let's pick it apart shall we yes <laughs> for fun okay so they worry all the issues with their plan. yeah yeah okay so they want to invade uh mm-hmm. they they want to use the transmat they want to spread this fungus via via the transmat that's going to immediately asphyxiate people but somehow the fungus is also going to get out uh in, right. into, the, the <laughs> into the ac you know there, there are a lot of uh not believable things about the 21st century that they represent here uh perhaps oh my god of, that's a whole other issue <laughs> that's a whole other issue but perhaps one of the most unbelievable things is that they don't have the ac running all the time in, uh-huh. uh, in these tmat offices they have to turn it on in order to clear out this uh fungusy stuff that's asphyxiating them yeah they got uh, a lot wrong about the 21st century that, that, <laughs> that's kind of an understatement um we'll get to so that. anyway the Dice Warriors plan depends on them taking control of TMAT. And mm-hmm. but they kick control of it without really understanding how it works. It depends entirely on capturing technicians and and depending on their cooperation and collaboration, which seems they're, they're pretty lucky they got a guy like Fuchsia who's a total coward, right? Mm-hmm. Um so now the the Warriors are <laughs> just on a tactical level, they're very slow. They just lumber around. They can apparently be overpowered by humans just grabbing their arm. And mm-hmm. they can't see what's plainly in front of them. Like there's a bit like I didn't really under, even understand that bit in the closet early on. I forget is the guy's name Phipps who's hiding. And Phipps, yes, yeah. And the warrior essentially turns and kind of looks at him and doesn't see him. Yeah, yeah. It might be it's, it might be a problem with the lighting in that scene, um, but it's a problem. And I, I'd love to say that the colorization solves that and shows that Phipps is uh, wearing clothing that's the exact same color as the. Uh, the, the solar lights in that room that he's right but no no it's not camouflage he, he just it's just a yeah. weird error well this is supposed to be like a warrior right this is supposed to be like mm-hmm. a military guy who's actually confident which uh, uh, clearly not um there's a bit where slar uh wants to kill the doctor by beaming him into space essentially and it's like you yeah. know you have a bunch of guns yeah. <laughs> if you want to just kill the doctor you could just do it immediately um the headcanon but- i've seen on that is that it's it's more of a punishment for fusion like you know that this this guy he's a coward and he's just sort of agreeing to send these shipments around the world without even knowing what's in it he's just obeying orders uh hey he's just trying to live man he's just trying to work i get it and but no slav really wants him to feel his own cowardice 
right? Mm. So this this is one way to do it. Like first of all, he doesn't need to explain what the seeds are, but he does that anyway. Uh, and he doesn't need to explain where he's, uh, you know, the, the, this whole thing of like sending the doctor into space. So that I like that theory that he's just doing it to make Fusion feel his his own cowardice. Like you're, you're here, you're going to kill a human. Or he thinks he's a human at this stage. Yeah, that's not bad actually. Human. I like that, even yeah. though it's yeah. a bit of a distraction when you have a lot of things to do on you still on your to do list. Mm. to actually get your plan to invade the earth uh completely done so yeah. speaking of which they send one ice warrior to wor- earth armed mm-hmm. with just one sonic gun and and basically just to take control of the planet now here's what i'll take a step back <clears throat> and be like okay for for an episode like seeds of death and this isn't the only episode of doctor Who like this you kind of need to it's like what you describe as a fever dream you know yes. dream logic to it where totally. You, you kind of essentially depend on an audience heuristic of like, okay, yes, we only have a couple of rooms for our set. We only have as mi- a few characters to really represent what's going on on Earth. You kind of have to just take all that as a given that, oh, okay, we don't really see uh, the president of Earth, or at this point, it seems like the secretary general of the UN or whoever. <laughs> and, yep. you know, they're in charge, but we everything's ostensibly controlled by one room at TMAT and one weather <laughs> control station that's you know, a few, a few buildings away, like it's a university campus or something, Mm -hmm. you know? So, so you just kind of have to have to go with that. It's kind of like going with the two cities in Genesis of the Daleks being super close to each other and somehow uh, waging a planetary war against each other. It's, it's, it's pretty logic. Doctor Who's always doing this. And and the question is, can, can it successfully distract you until the story is over uh, (laughs) before you start noticing these things? And I think generally this story does a decent job of that. Uh, So I'm not really docking points for that. I will dock points for not sending more warriors to Earth and taking control Mm -hmm. of the TMAD stations. Because when you see, like, even as you're watching it, they beam these seeds to Earth and they're kind of, well, why not just leave them in the chamber? Like, you don't have to go in and grab them. And once that happens once, arguably, you could say, okay, they didn't know what it was. The, the stuff goes wrong, blah, blah, blah. There's problems in London. Why not call every other team at station immediately? Like, either shut it down, or even if you can't shut it down, don't open the door. Mm. <laughs> like, just leave well, the in there. Apparently, in the future, nobody talks to anyone directly. They all have to talk through this, what, what I'm going to describe as the most annoying Alexa voice uh, that y- you've ever ever heard, and it's it's so funny. I mean, it's just such a. It's almost watch watching this just for like how how wrong and right they get the twenty first century. Um, you know, yeah. wrong. Uh, you know, Miss Miss Kelly is still called Miss and not Ms. Uh, but right, you know, like she's kick out. She can she can just she can go uh, climb the corporate ladder. Uh, now now wrong. Uh, one thing that's very wrong is the. Um, you know the the way that TMAT can can just be basically blocked up by by one person, like the entire system, the infrastructure uh, can can be blocked up by one day, but one person. But but right, you know, I I like the sort of uh, the echo on the Ice Warrior side of them just sending one guy, um, and uh, you know, it's one guy can block up the whole system. So I well, I love that. I like I, I like this. I do like the idea of the the spirit of Seeds of Death anyway, where. Yes. It's clearly a complacent Earth. Uh, they even explicitly say it. They're, they, you know, they've lost interest in space travel, uh, or at least space exploration. And all they, 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 the humanity's turned inward. They basically like, okay, we have this super convenient 
transmat system, which has more or less eliminated scarcity. And we have this world computer, which seems to be, you know, the voice is like, this is what chat GPT is going to become, right? It's like, oh, we just yeah. asked the AI to do but things, it, but it's inter- do things so, so- and it gives us reports and we're, we're good. <laughs> Thank you for reminding me that that's what we were actually talking about. It slipped my mind for a second. But yeah, it's, it's at one point, Zoe is trying to talk to this guy in the weather control center and the, the Alexa basically reports back to her. No, so in the annoying voice, sorry, uh, he's, he's not available. And then she's like, I'm, I'm going to have to find my way there. But instead of saying, hey, you know, Alexa, uh, how do I get to the weather control center? She's just charges off like, oh, I guess we're just going to have to find our way there. Right. <laughs> it's you don't necessarily it's, it's just wonderful the way that this makes us realize what you were thinking about the future in the 60s. Like, yes, the sort of notion of personal assistance and computers talking to us and computers knowing everything, they had it there, but we weren't thinking through the full implications, i.e. Google Maps, you know? Right. (laughs) We just have directions to everywhere. Speaking of which, like, there's just so much analog tech here. I mean, it's kind of, again, it's it's a little hilarious in, in hindsight, and some of it's just stuff in the the past, but... I mean, uh, it's 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 just funny, fun to watch. Because first, there's all the manual hooking up of stuff to sort of activate solar mm-hmm. panels and these sort of you know the big battery thing that the doctor throws together, which is kind of like hilariously full of wires and oh, he um, loves his wires. I mean, again, yeah, it's it's just it's just fun and and um, there's loose yeah, there's loose wires all over the place. Like especially when he fixes the the weather control thing, it just spills out. And the the temperature control I found hilarious. It's like this ship's helm. Basically, like they, it's like it's just there on the on the wall, and there's no other stuff. Uh, there's like a point where Phipps is doing something in the closet, and it's there's actually like a vacuum tube that he has to replace. This is for like the signal on the rocket or something early mm-hmm. on. And then there's all those like like stuff that just the Ice Warriors of the bulky transmitter unit. All the stuff in the the station has all these switches. Again, it's just it's right. just sort of fabulously analog. <laughs> Yeah, the solar projector things that that constantly need to be fixed—just giant, giant bulbs, <laughs> giant. You know, basically, the ice warriors look like they're being called in for a photo session. Yeah. Uh, these... Influencers, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're, <laughs> we're going to put you on Ice Warrior Instagram. It's going to be fabulous. Yes, I'm an influencer. Um, but there's also there's a bit where uh, Miss Kelly is having to replace uh she's just like fixing one of these uh lights and she's doing it so badly you can see that the actress right. is just sort of rooting around uh in in the uh, in this thing but it it is the perfect reason for her to have that ponytail which just just gets in the way of the camera enough so you can think that she's working on fixing something you you vaguely get that idea <laughs> Well, there's um, an, I'll just to say on Kelly for one second, this isn't anything to do with her, but I think it's an episode two when they're launching the rocket. Mm. There is a weird, all I can see describe it as is a QR code <laughs> over the screen at some point. Did you see that? In when like no. it, it's just kind of it, it, it's it's incomprehensible. It's this weird QR code that appears on on screen Whoa. that I think is supposedly like what she is looking at. And actually, I, I held my phone up to this just to see if it would like activate something it doesn't but it was it was a weird weird moment so like it's the one sort of i don't know someone write it and tell me what that is 
you're not talking about the the like the shot of future Alexa where it's just like squares within squares within squares, right? No, and no, this is the, literally yeah. super. I'll send. I'll, I'm going to throw it out on the Twitter feed. I actually put it Great. on my own Twitter this past week. Do it. Like, I'll throw it out on the Pulse Open Twitter feed and like, what the hell is this? What is this QR code? Does anyone know? Wow, um, weird, weird. Doctor moment. Who accurately predicts QR codes in the 21st century. That's that's our headline here. Um, but yeah, so, as, as you say, re- yeah, they also just to get back to that point, they they do like you know let, let's not harp on the team at and the whole you know uh, teleport thing and how that doesn't work and you know we we talked about this before on on pull to open with other Doctor Who stories that use teleports. The randomizer well, does seem to like to take us to. Them. Yeah, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna pick apart teleportation mm-hmm. technology. I think that's a completely fine sci-fi concept to do. What I would pick apart and this is a very doctor who nerd thing to pick apart i'll admit but others have done it which is that why is tmat non-existent or virtually Mm -hmm. non-existent in stories set after this era right because this is clearly like the 21st century i think there's there's really no way to sort of fit it anywhere else because the doctor sort of uh, says early on oh the rocket design is 21st century so it's 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 either in the 21st century or really soon after and Um, the TMAT is like, you know, super Star Trek level technology. Um, why, why doesn't it, why, why doesn't it feature? And there's a lot of theories about this, right? Most of them are like economic, like it's just too expensive mm-hmm. or it's a sort of an all or nothing thing. And they couldn't clearly couldn't do both space exploration and TMAT. So they just kind of had to go with one or the other. And eventually like this, this seems to be one of the many uh, things, including kill the moon and waters of Mars that apparently like start to turn things around and people start to look outward again. So, right. Yeah. But it is one of those weird things. Like <laughs> you just never hear about team at again. I was really hoping. So again, I, I haven't seen this before. I was really hoping that it would end with, uh, the, the people of earth realizing that team Matt is more trouble than it's worth. And that they should just go back to rockets. Now, instead, the, the, the argument at the end is a little more anodyne than that. It's about, should we, you know, obviously we're going to restart team app, but do we like, they haven't even learned that maybe you should have a backup system. Yeah. Uh, which is so weird. And you know, it's a good, yes, it's good. It's, it's kind of incomprehensible that they don't have any rockets. You know yeah. what I mean? Like that's, that's the crazy thing. It's because it's, is it TMAT can't be that established. Like if it was a mm-hmm. hundred years old and you never use a rocket again, sure. But if it's only just, it seems relatively not brand new, but like something that's, that's clearly emerged in the last generation or so. And surely there mm. would be some kind of like, okay, if we're, we're dependent on this moon base, what, surely someone do. must've thought of what if everything just goes wrong, we're going to need, we're going to need a rocket. They do say at one point that they put uh communication satellites up so I'm not sure how they're right. doing that because you can't really team at a communication satellite. Well, no manned rockets. Man, That's the whole thing. Man. Oh, they try to sort of explain that away. There's a few things mm. that sort of seem like plot holes that are kind of explained away. Like one thing I always thought about this story was that why is the gravity on the moon basically the same as Earth? But there is a throwaway line that Zoe has in the rocket that says something like, I'm, I'm starting the gravity control, which would make them, mm-hmm. oh, well, clearly they have some gravity, like, it's logical to assume they had the same tech on the moon base. So, so that is, fine. it is mm. so interesting. Speaking of the rocket, so interesting coming here from ambassadors of death, where we came from, uh, John Pertwee, uh, doing, doing his facial expression of G force. Uh, and now we get to see this TARDIS team do it. Uh, what, what do you think of how well, they, 
simulated the experience of being a rocket. I think it's it, it actually looked much better, even if it's less accurate. Yeah, it was all right. I, I like better like when they're all panicky on Earth, like trying to say, hey, answer us, answer us. Oh, my God, did something go wrong? And Zoe is the one to go like, hey, we've literally just taken off. Take a chill yeah. pill. Like that that <laughs> felt right to me. That was like good a good little back and forth. Yeah, absolutely. They and I, I did like the fact that, that Jamie kept being warned of the G force, and yeah. uh, that I I would love more anticipation about that. There's there's opportunities. There's you know better writing opportunities left and right in the Seeds of Death. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of them being the the old professor, um, who you know really I was expecting more from him uh, as as a character, Eldred. What was what did you, you know? find wrong? I thought he was alright. Oh, it was it was a bit of a hard left turn when he's like we're supposed to believe that he spent years kind of building this rocket and preparing it to uh, to blast off just because he thinks we should still use rockets and then when the government literally shows up at his door and says please 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 let's use your rocket he's like nah nah I was just I'm um, nah. I, I thought I was good at this, but now I'm not. I wish they peeled back that a little more. I'll agree. I do like it um, because I think if probably bringing too much headcan into it, but it is that like he's just afraid of the responsibility. And mm. I think once the rocket is successful and gets to the moon, he gets more confidence and then he becomes much more of a sort of a, a helper and a pivotal character in the rest of the things that happen even even to a nonsensical degree right because he's Mm. helping the doctor develop some sort of response to the seed pods which is like well isn't this guy a rocket specialist like i mean what's he doing and what why is he even have anything to say at this point right like he's the the rocket done like you can go now, sir, and they're all kind of there in the team at headquarters as one of the main seemingly decision makers uh, of what's going on here, or at the very least, well, advisor. I mean, he he he. That is at least his due as sort of savior of humanity. There, I mean, you'd you'd think that he get he would get more recognition and reward for that. But yeah, the guy's a Renaissance man who can also investigate. Uh, fungus uh, and and uh, felt the doctor find out that it could be destroyed by water. Which, by the way, yeah, okay. Let's let's talk about the water thing now. Uh, in <laughs> in a story that precedes the seeds of death by sixty nine years, called the War of the Worlds, invaders come from Mars and are eventually defeated not by the humans, who they they completely uh, almost completely wipe out. But by bacteria, and it just sort of it's a function of them being on Earth for long enough and the bacteria takes them over. So I imagine that was a germ of that was what was in Brian Hales' mind, where it's like, these Martian seas, they explode, but they can be destroyed by something that's perfectly natural and normal on Earth and that's not on Mars. Water! Well, okay, well... (laughs) Now, it's not his fault yep. that we have since discovered that there's water on Mars. Uh, so the ice warriors be way familiar with it. Uh, but yeah. also, like, it's in their name. They they, under- they get the concept of ice. Uh, so they kind of understand water. So you'd think they would know about this. Well, it just- in, in defense, Mars is still pretty dry, even though there is yeah. some water there. Um, so 
and it does seem like it, you know, as long as it doesn't rain, this, the seas are going to do it. But I, as long I, as it doesn't rain. But what about the fact that there, there are ponds, like there are hoses, there are fire departments, surely here in the 21st century still. There are I people got through my throw buckets. My, my, my checklist of all the things that were wrong with the Martians' plan. So this is one of them. <laughs> oh, by the way, also on that list, they apparently have no plan to take over warmer areas of Earth. Oh, yeah. Um, so. That's an issue. But it's all right, because they're going to immediately starve to death, apparently, without the team app functioning. <laughs> it's like everyone just kills over and dies almost straight away. And there are like millions of people dying. And it's just sort of very casually come officials come in and say, well, it's yeah. like the, the minister takes a dim view of all this famine that's suddenly broken out. <laughs> the world is dying. You know, uh, uh, that's another thing that Eldred says. is like, you know, some, some minister stuffing his face with chicken every five, six, 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 every meeting. Um, yeah, there's, there's a lot of, of weirdness of complacency about this. This is way worse than Wally Earth, even. Um, mm-hmm. So, so back to the uh, seed pods in the water. Uh, it's again, it's one of these things of sort of fever dream camp. So bad it's good. Where he like pours the, all the stuff, and it's like, what was that last one? It was like ordinary water. And I, I kind of almost think if you wrote that today, it would be like ordinary water it's like really no not really what do you think just normal water is gonna destroy a fungus like don't be an idiot like no it was a complex thing that we're gonna have to synthesize and put in clouds and like destroy this thing ordinary water that's just dumb (laughs) who would do that um but yeah i think it's you know a lot of this is a sign that kind of doctor who was not in the best way if if doctor who were a patient uh this this may be the time as it look it looks back in, uh, certainly in the 60s and 70s is when it was closest to death, right? Because it was during the filming of Seeds of Death that Patrick Troughton's departure was announced. They didn't have a replacement. Uh, viewing figures were going down, although interestingly, they went up during the Seeds of Death. Um, people like the Ice but- Warriors. Yeah, people love the Ice Warriors, so it, it was working. But yeah, like this is... This is the Troughton era kind of grinding to an end. You know, mm. uh, this will be Troughton. This is Troughton's last monster. Um, there's, yeah, there's that's kind fair, of almost space a sadness is after this, and yeah. then they go right into the war games. That's right. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it's sort of the, the show feels a bit tired. Troughton certainly feels a bit tired. This is, by the way, the last time that a Doctor Who actor would go on vacation during the show. Right. Um, and I have to be written out of an episode. So, you know, Brian Hales, I'm sorry that it broke your brain, but like it's, it's, you, <laughs> you helped cement it. It's over. It's done. No more doctors on vacation. Never have to write them out again. Just his claim Dr. to Light. health and safety about it was clearly responded to. Um, no, obviously they just started cutting the number of episodes to something mm. uh, reasonable yep. and uh, maybe Half. concentrating, concentrating a little more of the budget on those individual episodes uh that took a little while though i think but yeah no see the death it's a weird one it's it's a weird one in the doctor who history right because it's like i say there's there's all this stuff that we've been talking about it that it, it no question there's a lot of criticism but i'm not sure like if it's bad like it, it yeah. it's it's kind of it's so bad it's good and there's there's all this um, just fever dream type stuff. You're sort of being held by the hand, both in the story and in sort of the visuals 
Um, it, it, it's sort of, you know, there, there's a weird thing. There's a, there's a lot to like in this, even though there's a lot to criticize. I am not quite sure where I'm coming <laughs> to on that. Yeah. I'll find out. It's but definitely, yeah. it's definitely, we, we criticize because we love to a certain extent. Like the, the, there is potential here. Like it's, it's got, it's got heart. It's got, it's got some funny lines, uh it's got uh jamie jamie gets some great lines we should say he keeps pointing out that it's like you know when joey is always like oh we're, we're our rocket is is on course for the sun it's going to hit the sun in 10 days jamie's like well that's all right she's like why she's like you've forgotten we've only got food for three um you know there are a lot of lines like that like you know the uh the uh i think slar at one point thinks that he's killed the doctor and the doctor says well you know well evidently you weren't that successful or something like that you know a lot of just lovely yeah. lovely troutney uh dialogue in well, here before we before we bring it around and maybe figure out what we think of this with our questions mm-hmm. i want to say one more thing about the bit you just said which is in the episode six i mean i want to talk about episode six because <laughs> what this does is kind of expose in a sense the the 60s well no i don't even know if it's 60s but i I just want to zero in on what the doctor's behavior is toward the ice warriors here Mm. which is to say he goes full war mode and he essentially weaponizes the uh solar collectors uh, or whatever they are solar reflectors i'm not sure what they're but anyway those little discs and he goes out and hunts the ice warrior on earth and kills it and then he goes back to the base kills the first warrior he sees a rigs with the system so that the entire fleet, the entire Martian fleet is destroyed. Not just off course, not just prevented. They're actually explicitly said they're taken into an orbit around the sun. That's going to kill them all. And then, you know, the last two, like a slar and his last warrior, you could sort of chalk that up to self-defense to a certain extent. Um, but again, he, he goes up and just kills all the ice warriors, which is okay. I get, you know, like, again, they're, they're being portrayed in this mm. episode. And this is, we should probably pick apart the ice warriors themselves a little bit here beyond just their incompetence of their plan and stuff. Like they're being portrayed as one of these one note monsters, like the Daleks or the Cybermen. Yep. Whereas they're, they, every subsequent appearance after this, honestly shows them not to be that they are, right. they have more nuance to them, that they are sort of like this noble race, even though there's none of that nobility on display here. And, Beyond that, though, what I really want to talk about was the doctor where he gets well. And and even prior to this, I would argue, has been shown to have a more nuanced view of violence and war and really struggles with the things he often has to do to repel alien invasions. Right. Yeah. Um, And and he doesn't struggle at all. He he usually gives the aliens a chance. He usually lets them say their piece wants to know their perspective yeah here he he treats them as a subhuman as it were uh you know which is just that you know the, these you know killing them off like the flies there's, there's no thought given to it whatsoever and it is an interesting contrast with the ambassadors of death from the next season where yeah. there will be a lot more effort from the doctor in this third incarnation uh when encountering species apparently coming from mars um to to get their side of it and and to try and hear them out and to get the earth people to not blow them up and yeah you're absolutely right here the doctor is trigger happy and it's kind of because it's Troughton that you barely even realize that's what he's doing right he's like he's the cosmic hobo he's so gleeful he's running around with these big lights and you don't realize he's 
almost committing genocide here, like just dooming an entire fleet to uh, the fires of Bernie death. Yeah, this is why I kind of like, like I was saying earlier, like everything here is is almost like super simplified uh, in a story sense and uh, not quite larger than life, but it's almost like iconography for Doctor Who. If, if there was a Doctor Who stage play at the time, this this would be a good contender for the being the script for it, right? Because it's it's you're not really asked to consider nuance to go into these sort of better sort of cerebral intellectual places. And it's just like, let's have some goofy fun with some monsters, have some future stuff and have the doctor and everyone, um, you know, solve things ostensibly with their brain, but also have some fun with some sort of action and, and shooting up the monsters at the end as well. Right. Um, but again, like with Terrence Dix, I guess he was fairly new to the show at the time. Um, I, I would come to probably expect more from him later, mm. but it is like, like I say, he seems to get what's going on here by with his sort of earlier stuff and playing up some of the campy and um, funny bits. And then in episode four, it's just like, yeah, the doctor just kills them all. It's like, okay. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of an interesting echo of, of what, uh, so uh, in the, in the concert that I, again, recommend that you listen to on BBC sounds, uh, there, there is, uh, Moffat says this interesting thing where he realized that whatever he wrote for Matt Smith, you could, it could be the most audacious, you know, treacherous, kind of nasty, mean, evil doctor thing. And people would still go, oh, it's, oh, it's Matt Smith. And, and for Capaldi, he could write the, the biggest sort of jokiest, kind of, you know, campiest, uh, most hilarious doctor. And he would look terrifying saying it, you know. <laughs> terrifying doing, doing the campy dialogue, right? Because that's just Capaldi. So yeah. I feel it's like there's definitely, they speak definitely, <laughs> definitely an echo of that here with Troughton can can just get away with anything. He's so cute. Um, speaking of cute, I do want to give another shout out to Wendy Padbury because, uh, poor thing, she she loved her costume in this. She bought it ahead of time because that was the You weren't the only one, Chris. Yes, <laughs> I see. She she liked how she looked in this as well. Um, but she bought it. You know, BBC regulations said, "Oh, well, you had to buy your costume." Bought it before they started filming. Then she does that scene in the uh, ventilation. You know, she's crawling mm, yeah. in this costume on her hands and knees. There was wet paint in the in that ventilation uh... shaft all over the new costume that she just bought. Poor Wendy. Um, and yet, yes, they didn't, she, well, surely they had to get a new pair of pants just to, um, finish the shoot, right? Like it's black and white. Uh, I, guess. <laughs> I guess it doesn't, nobody, um, nobody can, maybe they washed it off overnight. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Poor, poor Wendy, uh, Wendy Padbury, if you're listening, please uh, send us your, uh, your, uh, dry cleaner bill from the time. Yeah, um, send but, it to uh, Russell T Davies, man. He'll he'll yeah. it right. he'll take you out. That, that's right. He's got some cash. Um, but also, did you notice the doctor? And this was actually an ad lib by Troughton when he comes out of his haze. Um, says uh, Victoria's name. Oh, not, yes, not yes, Zoe's. okay, yeah, I remember. In that, the yeah. script, it was Zoe, but it kind of works because he's still a little kind of woozy, right? So, mm. oh, it's, you're meant to think, oh yeah, he's he's just one one companion behind but also yeah. isn't it interesting given uh pyramids of mars where the doctor again references victoria uh, i think the this other time like victoria is apparently a companion who sticks in his head a bit more than most yeah 
I mean, she's kind of unusual. And I had a conversation, I think I mentioned this before with some of our uh, fans on YouTube about it. And she, she's in kind of a reluctant companion. And she's this, mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot of reluctant companions, I guess, than in the early years. Um, but I, I do think there might be a level of like Troughton feels just kind of extra bad for her because her, you know, her father dies and she's kind of almost forced into this life of constant peril by being with the doctor and Jamie. And yeah, she sort of eventually finds her way uh, to sort of staying as we saw in Fury of the Deep and finding some yeah. place for herself. Uh, but I think the doctor has just a certain amount of regret of like mm. what happened to her and what he sort of ended up needing. Well, not needing, but like the the life he ended up giving her, which was not really aligned with the kind of person she was. I I yeah. love the idea that this this might still pop up for the for the doctor and his uh, future regenerations, and maybe we'll see uh, Shooty in his uh, regeneration haze, maybe throwing out a reference to Victoria. Ooh, uh, love it! What what better way to establish continuity? This is the same person. Well, um, I can't wait to see that question answered, but there are yes. some other questions we need to answer, which are, of course, the four questions to Doomsday. First question, why did the randomizer take us here? Well, it's it's a little scary, isn't it? I mean, yeah, I've how many times have we been scared by the randomizer in its first 100 <laughs> picks? But... I mean, from of death to of death. I mean, we referenced the seeds of death when we were talking about the ambassadors of death because we were right. talking about, no, this is the, not the first time the doctor has been an astronaut. The randomizer's like, what's that you say? You want the doctor as an astronaut? Uh, well, sure. Let's, uh, <laughs> let's take this just little diversion to the myth makers first. But then, then there it is. And it is interesting because we what we're doing here, Pete, we, we, we're, we're doing more than just your average Doctor Who podcast. We're doing more than just talking about the whole history of the show. We are. This is an investigation into randomness itself. Is, hmm. is it truly random or are we in some sort of extremist-like situation where we're actually in a simulation in a holographic universe? And I've got to say, after 100 randomizer picks uh, or getting close to it, uh, the, the case for holographic universe is strong with this one. <laughs> I'm with you. Yeah, there's a lot of linking of deaths of Mars that mm-hmm. is happening with all the things. Um, I'm choosing to believe this is kind of a the randomizer warning us about the current environment where we're <laughs> you know starting to rely more and more on AI, and yeah. you know that's showing us a complacent Earth with kind of an AI there and being all like, okay, this is. This is probably a more likely future than it looks, you know, minus the the TMAT. Um, but a complacent Earth in the 21st century, you know, made all kind of vulnerable with a single point of failure because of the yep. reliance on technology. Feel like that that kind of hits home a little bit. It it really does. Yeah, we um, you know the, the TMAT should certainly have been better distributed, and uh, and it's it's weird that it wasn't. Um, it's weird that such a such a backup could occur because everything has to be routed via the moon or something. Uh, it's a little confusing, but yeah, I'm I'm glad I saw this. It's definitely very relevant to our you know uh, our current reality where NASA really isn't sending up rockets to the moon and keeps delaying the uh, the time that's going to the moon. Supposedly, right. supposedly we're going next year. I don't think we're going to hit that deadline. 
Um, but yeah, yeah they, mission? Uh, no way. Yeah, no, no, not going to happen. But supposedly that's the Orion schedule. Uh, but you know, meanwhile, uh, India and China are landing there. They're not waiting for the TMAT to be set up. Hmm. Um, so it's yeah, they, the randomizer is pretty interested in the moon. We knew that when uh, it tried to kill the moon. So uh, maybe <laughs> we're going to see a little more moon base action oh, coming man. up. I wonder how far we are from moon bingo. Oh, uh, well, hold that question and let's move on to the second question which is of course what if the evil plot had succeeded okay so the evil plot is the ice warriors i presume which (laughs) makes me think how could this succeed i mean they're just so bad and incompetent Uh, but i think for the sake of the question we have to sort of engage in thought exercise and if you consider earth is so centralized they are so uh dependent on these single points of failure you you can kind of see uh, a, a a way they could execute their plan that it works well um, once again you sort of have to uh imagine that the doctor's taken out of the equation right it's the, the yes. turn left principle um and the obvious point to take him out i think is in the foam outside the weather center which he seems to be stuck in for an awful long time that phone seems dangerous. to have a lot of faith that zoe and jamie are there can hear him and can open the door yep. like he's just yep. banging on the door and it's like why wouldn't you run away mm. um where i guess you could just say he was just overwhelmed by the foam and so he had no choice but i don't know the doctor seems to always have a choice um, yeah now does, does he regenerate if he's taken over by uh, asphyxiating foam uh, that's that's an open question but you can argue that it keeps him delayed long enough uh that he isn't able to switch the um the, the signal uh we we do mm. actually do get a ice warrior fleet being guided into earth um and uh yeah they they just sort of take over the northern hemisphere mm-hmm. literally everyone in the southern hemisphere starves um and and yeah i guess that's it they there's become new mars yeah and maybe there's a few humans left as resistance but that's it well the ice warriors can wait until it's winter in the southern hemisphere to go uh vacation there they all get vacation homes uh they turn the ac way down uh and yeah so ice warriors new new masters of earth Congratulations. Yep. And so what happened? Human humanity's wiped out. So you now this sort of again, I think there's another <laughs> level to talk about the Ice Warriors. We talk about them being one note aliens. And to reconcile mm. that with the rest of New Who, uh, and well, basically other ways, other places we've seen the Ice Warriors, I think you kind of have to assume the Ice Warriors we see here aren't representative of the government. They might be, mm. and if they are, they're it's it's a period in Ice Warriors history where the government was taken over by essentially a terrorist group. And right. these folks are, you know, not respectful of other sentient beings. They just feel like slaughtering everyone. And, you know, for whatever they perceive the glory of the warrior, ice warrior empire to be. So what we have here then, if they do succeed, I think over time, I think you have to to reconcile it. Like, okay, maybe they end up being not necessarily a nefarious conquering race like the Daleks and the Cybermen, but they they do end up being more colonizers like a human empire. So instead of seeing mm. a human empire like we see in Frontier in Space, that ends up being an ice warrior empire. But as right. they grow, grow bigger, they're, they become essentially less evil and fascist and whatever. And they might even re- come to regret 
or have some perspective on what they did to Earth uh, later, but they they still become a uh, uh, more of a galactic power that isn't yeah. necessarily evil, but they the, instead of a Earth centric future, which we constantly see, it's an ice warrior centric future. And you know what? That I I can see them sort of going going for the big uh, galactic prize here because uh, as they start to interact with other races, I think the the other species in the galaxy are just can be so uncomfortable. Anytime you have to do diplomacy of the ice warriors, they're sitting around the table and they're all heavy breathing at you. <laughs> and uh, or, finally, or I you've think you've got to have a huge parka. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think even the Daleks would be around the table going, stop, stop with the breathing. Explain, explain the heavy breathing. Stop it. What, what do you want? Take Scaro, take it. Um, and even the Time Lord's like, oh, geez, guy, just just chill with the breathe. Okay, look, we'll, we'll not interfere. Uh, so yes, Ice Warrior Galaxy. Um, but I will say, on the positive side, no global warming. Huh? Yeah, Yeah. because the Ice Warriors would shut down that carbon dioxide uh, generation thing pretty fast. Well, you would have, but a lot less oxygen in the atmosphere. Yeah. Wouldn't that, yeah, would that mean? Well, you know, swings and roundabouts. Nitrogen, I don't know. (laughs) Um, Yeah, (laughs) there's plus sides to every invasion, I guess. Um, Moving on. (laughs) It just, you know, it just means that ultra ultra marathoners are like the only people who could survive because they get by on very little oxygen. Uh, Anyway, people are so self-involved. No, I'm just kidding. Sorry (laughs) to ultra marathoners in the audience. Let's move on to the third question, which is where is the Clara Splinter? Clara Oswald. Oh, you take over. Clara Oswald has been splintered in time. At the end of the name of the Doctor, she stepped into the Doctor's timeline. She's somewhere in the background of every single Doctor Who story. And where is she in this one? I, I, got, I got to say, um, I, I think, I mean, it's, it's just a small thing, but I think, I think she's on the moon base. Or I think she was on the moon base. I think she she team mattered out there a long time ago before this invasion, but she's the one who just kind of uh, has all of these convenient things on on the moon base, and one of them is that uh, I believe that she set the temperature control to Fahrenheit, uh, even though she marked it centigrade. So when it, when it goes up to sixty Fahrenheit, that actually makes more sense. Genius, <laughs> genius. I love that one. Um, by the way, I think there's some seed pods here and where I, <laughs> Whoa, so yeah, you, you okay. Then? Not doing that well. Um, okay. So that's a good one. Here's what I thought is that she's actually secretary general of the UN because this <laughs> completely explains like at some point she, she essentially goes, okay, we're deferring everything to TMAD headquarters and the people there because they have this mysterious doctor who is helping them. And, I'm confident they're going to sort it out. And that's that's yeah. why we basically don't ever see any government people or any sort of big operation to deal with the crisis and the ice warrior. Which, yep. by the She's way, just... like, as soon as you see there, it's bulletproof. Why did it take them until episode six to get some flamethrowers or anything, really? Like, how about some yeah. grenades? Like, do you have anything better than a 22 rifle to shoot at this thing? <laughs> I'm fascinated by the security, like the police force from the future, who have these giant helmets for some reason. 
these they they they're look like cops. they're all riot cops, but like it looks like they've got breathing apparatus as well. So I guess they're dealing with the lack of oxygen, but they had these uniforms already. So what what is even going on? Anyway, yeah, yeah, I, I like that idea. She's she's in the Secretary General's office. Panicked reports coming in from all over. She's she's shut off the Alexa with the weird voice already. Everyone's <laughs> like, what what are we gonna do? Uh, and she's like, guys. To coin a nice warrior phrase, chill. <laughs> Perfect. Yes. All right, folks, it's time for the final question. The ultimate question. The only question that matters for the seeds of death. What did we think of this story? I pulled, I pulled to open, open rating, rating system. Oh, you got <laughs> it. Six. I'm just giving you some relief here. It had six, seven ratings. It has... The Viscount Banger for the best of the best. The Dalek for just a very good episode. Yeah, that's right. I'm taking it out of order. It's a timey-wimey podcast. Uh, the Ogron for a bad episode of Doctor Who. The Professor Hater for a bad episode, but at least we learned something. The Lady Cassandra uh, for if uh, it's kind of a pretty-looking, uh, fabulous-looking story, but paper-thin plot. Um, or the rarely used fixed point in time, which is for reasons of nostalgia, you cannot rate this episode or any other reason uh, that you feel fit. It's uh, only been used twice in Paul to open history so far, both by me <laughs> on destiny of the Daleks and on uh, Marco Polo for slightly different reasons. Um, so Pete, what is your final rating? So, like I say, I, I kind of struggled with rating this one because it's not, I can't say it's a bad episode of Doctor Who. It's it's sort of, you know, almost iconic in a way for what Doctor Who is. I remember really liking this episode when I was a kid. I actually liked the sort of slow reveal of the Ice Warriors because I sort of vaguely knew about them from Pertwee. Oh, no, I had seen them in Pertwee. And when they were revealed, it was like, oh, that's cool. Um, that sort of makes it really memorable, but my God, there's just so much insanity and goofiness. Um, in I, I, it's not a great episode of Dr. Who. So it's a big conundrum. And plus it's like this 21st century vision of CMAT and stuff. Like we said, it doesn't really fit even in its own chronology. Like I'm, I'm going for it, man. I, it finally, you've done it. Seeds of death. You are my very first fixed point in time. Whoa! Doctor Who. I can't rate this. It's it's just too crazy. How about that? You rated ninety nine stories, uh, but the Seeds of Death wasn't one. You've you've given it your very first fixed point in time. Pull to Open's third ever fixed point in time rating, and uh, I'm I'm not going to do that. I'm but I am going to say that I I agree with you. This is a tough one to rate. I spent about the whole week kind of balanced on a knife edge between Dalek and Ogron as I was watching this. That's not, that's no Ogron. That's Dalek. It's an Ogron. You know what? I'm, I'm going to give it a hybrid rating because, uh, again, I recommend the colorized version, uh, rather than paying a subscription to BritBox, just go find the colorized version on, uh, the internet archives, uh, BritBox come to us. We want some sponsorship money. Uh, let, let's talk <laughs> about this. Um, but, you know, uh, for the colorized version, I think is fabulous enough to earn a Lady Cassandra. Okay. Um, but it's a hybrid 
and I I have not decided until this very moment uh, what kind of hybrid it is. And I think I'm going to take Mark Ockram's lead and and just say that we should we should give things a bit of a Dalek rating if they if they amused us if we just sort of had a whale of a time watching it for whatever reason. So yeah, it's a bit padded. It's weird. It doesn't make sense. It's sort of you know fabulous and pride filled as you mentioned. So that that gives it the Cassandra rating. But also it's it's a bit of a Dalek. It's a Cassandra Dalek hybrid wow look at that yes we've reached into the dalek casing we've taken the mutant inside we've stretched it out until it's flat uh, we've moisturized it a lot and it's just looking fabulous and that is the seeds of death everyone all right that's it for us on the seeds of death but not for you for listeners guys if you are listening on spotify go ahead and vote now on what you thought of the seeds of death and what rating it should have and we will of course report those ratings in a future episode of pull to open and right. now we have to think about that one actually yeah <laughs> yeah did, did, did you folks did you watch season that it was one of the earliest vhs releases so i know that there are a lot mm. of classic fans out there who kind of got into it perhaps a little bit more than they should have done uh, i do have to wonder if stephen moffat was one of those and that's why osgood uh kind of cropped up again as a name Oh, uh, that's right. Moffat's era, right? Mm. Um, but anyway, it's uh, tell us what you think about that, and uh, we we will <laughs> we will listen, or we will appear to be listening, but we will duck out to our TARDIS um, halfway through the conversation uh, through the rain that is raining a little too hard right now, and we will step back into our TARDIS, activate our randomizer which is powered by two things. Pete has the codex, the complete list of Doctor Who stories in sequential order. I have random.org, aka the executor component of the randomizer, which uses atmospheric noise, seed pods in the atmosphere, fungus in the atmosphere, amount of oxygen in the atmosphere, uh, ice warriors in the atmosphere. Goodness, there's so many seeds of death references that we can include in what random.org measures. Uh, measures. But what it, one thing it doesn't do is use computer-based algorithmic randomness because that's just pseudo-random. It's rubbish. You need atmospheric noise. That's what they provide. And Pete, you have the number of how many stories, after having completed 100, how many stories have we left to visit? We have... Hold on, I haven't had a chance to <laughs> get rid of seeds of <laughs> death. It's it is 202. 202. That's right. We've reached the New Jersey area code or Washington, D.C. <laughs> area code. I can't remember. Um, I think it's D.C. D.C., right. yes. So the uh, minimum is one. The maximum is 202. And we'd like to issue challenges to the randomizer. And we do. Uh, yeah, we, you know, I don't want to be, you know, really base and and say that I just want the randomizer to take us to New Who because I'm mad at Britbox and maybe it's coming on Disney Plus soon um, uh, for Classic Who. I won't say that. What I'll say instead is um, I'm, I'm going to risk it. Uh, you, you seem to be into the moon, randomizer. Uh. Take us to another moon-based episode. Or moon-based All right. story. story be, with the moon does it, it have somewhere. to be a moon of Earth? No, it does not. Okay. <laughs> I like the. I, I know that the randomizer likes to be tricksy, so I'm going to leave that open. So um, I'm going to go look. We've done a lot of death lately, um, <laughs> sort of in titles and certainly as part of stories. Give me randomizer what you think represents life. 
Yes. What is, I don't know, I don't think the word life or living is part of a title of Doctor Who, but like give me something that aligns with that idea. And I'm kind of half hoping it takes us to the empty child and everybody lives or something like that. But uh, that's a little too on the nose. There might be other things that are more (laughs) representative or equally representative of celebrating life. So let's do that. I've got to wonder, uh, after going through our cold opens, whether by life the randomizer will read leaf and give us the rings Uh, of Arcton and Clara Oswald's leaf that she blew into the world on. So that's another possibility. Yeah, I wouldn't hate it. yeah, yeah, but yeah, enough seeds of death. Let's have some seeds of life, man. Maybe let's have some <laughs> groovy environmental Pertwee. Uh, although I kind of feel like we've done all the big environmental ones. Uh, let's let's see what we got left. We'll see. Oh, that's a, oh man, you're just throwing out the challenges now. <laughs> all right, let's get to the countdown. Yes. Happening in four, three, two, one. Hello-sie. All right, I'm going to give it in the style of an ice warrior. 36. 36. We're never going to get out of Who, But we have arrived at the day of the Daleks. The day of the Daleks. Wow. Oh my goodness. Are there moons? Uh, no. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, there's no moons in this one in the day of the Daleks is is there, is there life uh, I'm, uh, sure, I'm sure I the Daleks have are very really mine it for life so <laughs> of all of that one, certainly not really much of an environmental bit, um, it's got a bit timey-wimey it's very timey-wimey yeah. yeah I think Brickbox kind of spoiled that as well <laughs> with one of its uh, I've complained about Brickbox's um you know, uh, little thumbnails that they oh, provide for the episodes before. Yeah. I believe there's a spoiler in the thumbnail for this that has made me actually yeah. want to watch this serial. So have you seen this one? I have not. Oh, okay. This is interesting. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's, this is, uh, this is on many lists of things. <laughs> That's all I'll say. And yes, there's, there's, there's the Dalek 20... episodes. <laughs> <laughs> it's on the complete list of Dalek stories. Um, yeah, it's it features the 22nd century, which is interesting. True. Yeah, randomizer. It would take us from the 21st, a fake 21st, to a fake 22nd. So, wow. Well, okay, it? there we go. Or we'll see. It? We will see next week, folks, when we encounter the Daleks. In Day of the Daleks, but for now, we are going to bid adieu from the 21st century. Guys, this has been Pull to Open. It's a podcast and a Substack and a newsletter <laughs> and a social media phenomenon. Well, that's probably saying a bit too much, but we're in a lot of places. Uh, go check us out at pulltoopen.net. Follow us on YouTube, uh, youtube.com slash pulltoopen. Follow us on Twitter, pulltoopen63. We're also at that handle on Instagram, Facebook, and threads we're at pull to open on tiktok and blue sky um but go ahead follow us all there in a few places one place uh drop us a line and uh let us know what you think of the whole enterprise that we call pull to open and late breaking news on day of the daleks once we watch day of the daleks pete we will have a bingo on the TARDIS console being used outside the TARDIS itself, as we saw in the Ambassadors of Death and Inferno. That's it. Nice. your bingo cards, folks. Polish them up. Get them ready for the next one. For the next one, yes. But we will not necessarily go there directly, because, as we've mentioned throughout 
this was the hundredth, the hundredth story that we've covered on Pull to Open. So what do you do as a Doctor Who fan when you've got a hundred stories of something that you've watched? You rank them. Not mm -hmm. just not just the Viscount Banger, the Dalek, the Ogron, Professor Hater, and the whole gang. We're, we're going to literally rank Doctor Who magazine style all of the stories that we've done so far. Our first Hot 100. Uh, Pete, gotcha. you excited? I'm so excited. Guys, this is going to be the list to end all lists. No, to begin all lists. It's a list. Because yes. it's it's a list that we will construct as we go along. Uh, we, we can slot future stories into it. But yeah, you've never seen a list containing a hundred random Doctor Who stories uh, ranked before. <laughs> this is definitely exactly. something new in the world. So join us next week uh, on Pull to Open. Yeah, time to reflect, everyone. Very See you then.